up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackham, and it is Tuesday, July 7th. And we are on to the AFC South, a little AFC South show for you in the team preview series with the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts. So let's dive right in. Houston, let's address it. DeAndre Hopkins. He gone in one of the craziest trades that we've seen. And we've seen actually kudos NFL. The NFL is getting a little bit more like fantasy football. There has been more trades in recent seasons than I could ever remember. You know, for the longest time, it'd be like one trade. It was like that Clinton Portis trade was a huge deal back in the day. Now it seems like every year there's some crazy blockbusters, but this was one of the craziest when the Texans shipped DeAndre Hopkins, who's still very much in his prime, to the Arizona Cardinals. And we talked about that. If you missed that episode, go back and listen anytime. Of course, the earlier pods, the beauty to this series, even if you're listening to this like in late July or early August, once camp gets going, maybe it changes a little bit. But it's, it's still, you can go back and listen throughout the course of July. So if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. But anyway, getting David Johnson in return, who is very much not in his prime anymore. Now, we will talk about David Johnson here in a minute, but we have to address the issue right out of the gate. What is the impact on Deshaun Watson? Losing an all-world receiver and really having that receiver essentially replaced with Brandon Cooks or replaced by Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. That's the downgrade. But the thing about Watson that I really like for fantasy purposes is he's not necessarily dependent on having that receiver there. Watson's going to be able to put up fantasy points with his legs. We've seen that he has been one of the better running quarterbacks in the league over his short career, and that has led to a very high floor and obviously a very high ceiling. We've seen multiple first-place finishes out of him over his career. Three weekly first-place finishes in his rookie season. He then had one in, oh no, two in his second season, and he had an additional two last year. That's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. By the way, week eight. I don't know what it is about week eight for Deshaun Watson. He was first in 2017, first in 2018, second last year. So week eight, (laughs) mark it down. Week eight, we're going to use him in DFS. No, we're not. That's their bye week. (laughs) So we got robbed this year. What are you doing to me, schedule makers? Anyway, um, all jokes aside, I'm still in on Deshaun Watson. And I don't mind the group of receivers that he has. Now, yeah, losing Hopkins certainly hurts. But was Hopkins the sole reason why Watson has been a very productive fantasy quarterback? No, not at all. And, And the rushing yard certainly is a big part of it. The rushing touchdowns, I mean, he scored seven rushing touchdowns last year. This year, I haven't projected at 526 rushing yards and an additional five rushing touchdowns for him. Those are pretty good numbers right there. And he projects out very favorably. Just under 4,000 yards passing. Uh, We'll see. I mean, maybe the touchdown production slightly declines, but... It's not like he's putting up enormous touchdown numbers. 26 and 26 in the last two seasons. Pretty solid, but not enormous. So I have him at 24 this year. He still projects out so favorably that I have him. No, he's not in the elite tier, but he is in the next tier. He is there with, with the Dak Prescott, you know, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, that tier. And I think he's at the top of it. I have him as my number three fantasy quarterback, and I'm not that concerned. If you can get him at a, at a decent value, 
maybe he slips because people overvalue the loss of Hopkins. Well, then by all means, you know, scoop, scoop, scoop. So there you go with with Watson. Let's talk about these wide receivers. It's already alluded to it. Brandon Cooks is in. Brandon Cooks, how many times is this guy going to be traded in the course of his career? Of course, was traded again after a massively disappointing season last year. The concussions. I mean, really, it was the... He was sort of the consummate every year you knew you were going to get like two or three, maybe four huge Brandon Cooks games, and you didn't get any last year. You know, you didn't get any whatsoever. He was I mean, he was the number 13 fantasy receiver in uh, 2018, number 15 in 2017. Last year, the concussions midseason, but generally speaking, wasn't involved for a good chunk of the season. Finishes 61st. Ugly. But there's opportunity in Houston. Of course, that being said, if I have to pick one Houston receiver, and it's going to be a risk no matter who you're picking, I'm picking Will Fuller. Will Fuller has the ability to take over games. Now, granted, it helps when you're playing opposite DeAndre Hopkins, but we have seen an enormous ceiling out of Will Fuller. Enormous the guy, there's been stretches where it feels like all he does is catch touchdowns. That being said, the big challenge with Will Fuller is Will Fuller staying healthy. We know that very well. Last year, 11 games. 2018, 7 games. 2017, 10 games. I mean, what what would we say the over-under? Would you say 10 and a half? 10 and a half games is what he plays this year? And probably take the under on that, right? It's just, it's so risky with Fuller. So we're not overvaluing either of these guys. I have Cooks at 39 in my rankings. I have Fuller at 37. But the guy who is more likely to give you a very hefty return on investment is Fuller. If he hits, he's going to hit big. It's not going to be, oh, yeah, Fuller finished 32nd among wide receivers, so it was a decent enough pick. No, it could be like Fuller, if he gets a full season, Fuller finishes ninth. You know, Fuller finishes 14th. Like, he could be that big of a, a return on investment. Now, it's bold. It's bold. And it's very bold to predict him not getting hurt. But that's, I, I mean, you balance that out with where you have to take him. You do not need to spend a premium pick on Will Fuller right now. And that is a darn good thing uh, because nobody is going to spend a premium pick on Will Fuller right now. Right now, he's going. 82nd. He's going 34th among wideouts, so basically right around where I'm ranking him, and 82nd overall. I mean, so you're talking, you're probably looking at him oftentimes in that 8th round range, late 7th, early 8th. I'll do that all day long for a guy with his ceiling, and I have done it all day long. Uh, Randall Cobb, solid season last year, but I just don't see enough meat on the bone for him to be anything more... Uh, then it's sort of a throwaway for me. I, I mean, right now he's projecting, and you ready for this? He's projecting at number 69 among my wide receivers. Nice! So really not much there for me. He is going to basically supplant Kenny Stills there, though. Uh, let's talk about the Johnsons in the backfield. I, I always love, as a writer, when there are two guys with the same last name who play the same position on the same team, because then i got to write their full name every time. But David and Duke, sorry Duke Johnson truthers, he will never be a three-down back in the NFL. I know, he is the all-time leading rusher in Miami. Well, granted, I mean, the the numbers are a little, 
skewed because for a while they just had a back backfield that was like who's the next man up and you could never you never really had a guy who was like a three-year starter in those eras so a little bit skewed but regardless you're not going to see it it's just not going to happen and that's big reason why you know they brought in David Johnson they had a big hole last year they trade for Duke Johnson we had hope he could be a three-down guy no they bring in Carlos Hyde and Carlos Hyde has a sneaky quiet thousand-yard season because they fed him the rock David Johnson may be over the hill. David Johnson was not good over the first six weeks of last year. And yes, I know the fantasy numbers will say, they'll say otherwise. They'll say that he actually was good. When you look at the the, the production, he had, what, over the first six weeks of the season, five out of the six, he was in the top 12 among running backs in fantasy scoring. A lot of that had to do with his work in the passing game. As a runner, he, he was not creating on his own. He was right around 2.0 yards after contact per attempt. He finished the season 2.05. That is not a good number. You do not want to be near that number in the NFL. And he really struggled in that area in 2018 as well. I want to see these guys create independent of their blocking. He was not able to do so. That being said, volume's the name of the game at running back. And we saw with Carlos Hyde, who is certainly over the hill at this point in his career, he was still able to be an effective enough top 25-ish running back last year on the squad. And Carlos Hyde isn't going to do in the passing game what David Johnson could do in the passing game. So this is uber unsexy. I am not in love with David Johnson too, by the way. But David Johnson, where he's going in fantasy drafts, I mean, you look at a guy who people don't want to touch him. He's going as the 22nd running back. He's going in the fourth round. You can get an RB2 in the fourth round. That's hard to do in 2020. And he's going to be an RB2. He's going to see enough volume. If he doesn't get hurt, he's going to see enough volume in a favorable offense to produce. He's just not going to be efficient. The ceiling isn't massive, but you don't need that out of your RB2. I mean, of course, you want it out of your RB2, but you don't necessarily need it. And I do think that, I mean, him being there, he's going to catch a lot of balls. He won't catch what he caught, you know, in his prime but he could catch 35, 40 passes, even with Duke Johnson in that backfield. So that's where we are there. I don't think there's much value with the tight ends because they do run a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field, but you essentially have Darren Fells and Jordan Aikens at sort of the same level. So there's really no value to be had with those guys, unfortunately. So let's move on to Indianapolis. Man, last year, do you remember... The biggest fantasy football draft day of the year is that Saturday before Labor Day, right? That weekend in the United States especially. I know people are drafting internationally, but that weekend, it's fantasy football drafts. Like everybody I know is somewhere, and I know there are some people, and I did this once myself, I went from one draft to another. I had a family league draft. My family has their own league so we did the draft in, in the early afternoon. We met at like basically noon, hammered that thing out in four hours. Then I got to my other, my long running league at about 4.30, you know, bang, bang, one after the other, and uh, then drafted and hung out with those guys for the rest of the night. You know, it's a great time. It's a great day. But last year was not necessarily great for those in the middle of their drafts who found out that Andrew Luck was retiring after they already just picked him. A lot of people, the way that it worked out, especially on the East Coast, the announcement came literally, it was weird, you know, a lot of people started their draft simulation at the same time, came like an hour after he was drafted in a lot of leagues. 
crazy and not good. And certainly memorable, not good for, I mean, hey, Andrew, you do you, not good for the folks who drafted him, that's what I mean. Anyway, Jacoby Brissett goes out there, really does an admirable job, but obviously a huge downgrade for the team from a fantasy standpoint, especially when you're thinking about guys like T.Y. Hilton, you know, guys like, you know, Jack Doyle, it just wasn't what you were hoping to see. This year, I mean, is Phillip Rivers Andrew Luck? No, but is Phillip Rivers a capable quarterback who's going to be able to get the ball to these guys and not necessarily skyrocket their fantasy value, but at least give them fantasy value? Absolutely. Now, I don't think Rivers is fantasy relevant outside of two quarterback leagues whatsoever because we know what Rivers is at this point in his career. But when you think about somebody like Jack Doyle, for example, Jack Doyle can very much be a tight end too. Now, he's a catch-and-fall-down guy. Jack Doyle's not George Kittle ripping off like long runs, Travis Kelsey. But he can be a guy who catches decent volume. Could he catch 50-plus balls? Possibly. I don't, I, I'm not that bullish in my projections, but he could be in that range. 500-plus yards. I'm at 486. Four or five touchdowns. I mean, that's going to be good enough for top. It's definitely top 20, maybe even close to top 15. And he's right in that range. Now, he's low upside, and there's a lot of high upside guys in that range. That's the only problem for me when I think about drafting Jack Doyle. It's like Jack Doyle or Mike Kosicki. Well, Mike Kosicki. Jack Doyle or Noah Fan. Yeah, Noah Fan. Uh, Jack Doyle or Hayden Hurst. Definitely Hayden Hurst. Jack Doyle or Dallas Goddard. Well, Dallas Goddard, Jack Doyle, even with Zach Ertz, Jack Doyle or Jonu Smith, maybe even Jonu Smith, right? Because there's high, there's a higher ceiling with Jonu Smith than there is with Jack Doyle. So that's kind of where we are with him. But not bad, and, and not a terrible consolation prize if you just completely punt tight end in your draft and you wind up with Jack Doyle in one of the late rounds. I don't mind that at all. I don't think you necessarily have to prioritize tight end to win your leagues. You hear that? Anybody who's thinking about, if you're thinking about drafting Travis Kelsey or George Kittle early, I don't know if the value cost justifies it. Because sure, you'll win tight end most weeks. You'll win that in your matchups. But I'd rather be winning at running back and wide receiver. That's just me. Anyway, um, let's talk about T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton is one of those players, and this happens for some of these guys, Sneaky old. Like, he got old pretty quickly here. T.Y. Hilton is 30 years old. It's kind of mind-boggling to think. And then when you add that on top of six games missed last year, two games missed the year before, all of a sudden, it's like the T.Y. Hilton that we knew, especially the T.Y. Hilton with Andrew Luck, he's not that guy now. But he could still be a wide receiver, too. It's just you have to bake in the fact that, you know, there's some injury concerns. Sure, could miss some time. He's getting a little older. He's maybe not as uh, electric as he once was, but he's still a pretty freaking good football player. And what I like about T.Y. Hilton this year is he's he's now gone from he used to be sexy. He was one of the sexy picks to now he is an unsexy pick. And as a result, you're getting him at a value. T.Y. Hilton currently going in the sixth round of fantasy drafts. 25th wide out off the board. I'm ranked at 23, so I think you get a round of value out of him by drafting him at ADP right now. Or actually, I'm ranked at 22, I lie. I am at 22. 
So I think you get a round of value. He is not sexy. When you put his sticker on the board, if you are in home league drafts, you're not going to get oohs and ahs. But that's not going to win you any fantasy championships anyway, so who cares? Uh, Beyond T.Y. Hilton, and this is kind of why I like him as well, because you have this depth chart that is very unproven. You have Michael Pittman Jr., who, speaking of unproven, I mean, he had a, he's a one-year wonder. He had a very good 2019 campaign. But other than that, didn't do anything really at USC. But a big-body guy, sort of, you know, a la Vincent Jackson, who Philip Rivers very much had a nice rapport with. But then you also have Paris Campbell. And of the two, I find myself gravitating more towards Paris Campbell than Michael Pittman. Campbell, an injury-riddled rookie campaign where, I mean, it seems like everything was hurt on him last year at some point, but we know blazing fast, a guy who you can get the ball to in space and he can make things happen. He's not going to be a downfield high dot guy. That, that may likely be more of what Pittman does, in fact, but of the two, if I'm going to take a late-round stab, I'm going to go with Campbell. And in fact, I have a bunch because he's always, seems like he's always there in in the 15th round. Uh, So don't mind that one. All right, so let's talk about these running backs because this is a crowded house in this backfield. You have Marlon Mack, you have Naeem Hines. But then the team also complicates things by drafting Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was prolific at the college level. And I don't just mean, you know, I don't throw that around lightly. He has two 2,000 yard rushing seasons. And he almost had a third. He almost had three 2,000-yard rushing seasons in his college career. That's almost unbelievable, but he did it. And when you watched him play, it's completely believable. By the way, the third season, uh, he rushed for 1,972 yards. So he came within 28 yards of three 2,000-yard seasons. That's never been done. Two has been done. Two other times. That's it. So he's in rare company there. Now, heavy volume, sure, and didn't do much in the passing game until last year. He had 26 catches last year, uh, but really was almost non-existent in the passing game the first two years. That was the knock on him, but I loved what we saw to him. Bigger back, fast AF, like he checks a lot of boxes, but you land here where Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack is still going to be used. I mean, Marlon Mack is coming off a, a a season where, you know, he was heavily used last year. 17.6 rushing attempts per game. I mean, he was, he was 10th in the league in rushing yards, 8th in rushing scores. Now, only 23rd in fantasy because, well, here we're seeing a theme, very lightly used in the passing game. One catch per game is what he averaged, right on the nose. 14 catches in 14 games. So that's the big knock on him for sure. But you get a guy in who is a better early down runner, right? Jonathan Taylor is a better early down runner than Marlon Mack and better early down runner than I would argue anybody else in this year's class by far. Really, you know, I I think there are some interesting guys like Cam Akers. I think he's a very interesting early down guy. I think Edwards Allaire has some intriguing chops there. Dobbins, you know, the the class is in an interesting class, but Taylor was was certainly the best in that regard. But then you 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 put him in here, and and so what do we do? I do not think Marlon Mack simply goes away. I think Taylor is going to be used out of the gate, but it's going to be a committee. And then the problem is Naeem Hines didn't go anywhere. So he's still going to be used in passing down situations, which means no meat on the bone in the passing game for either one of these guys. And this is where I get to where Taylor is going in drafts. 
Taylor is going too early in fantasy drafts. He's going too early right now. When you think about it, Jonathan Taylor is going in the third round. He's the 21st running back off the board. It's too rich for my blood, given the fact that he could be very frustrating to own in September especially, you know, when when the team's still working out the kinks. And I've seen this how many times over the years where people will draft a rookie, they're going to expect the world out of him in September, and at running back, you can't do that. Miles Sanders last year, a lot of people did it with Miles Sanders. And when you got it down the stretch, you just had to be patient. And that could be the case here with Taylor because, hey, by the way, offensive line, yes. Yes, please, very nice offensive line there. So anyway, where do I have him ranked? Well, I'm at 26. So 26 essentially moves you from late third to possibly even early fifth. Late fourth, early fifth sounds about right for Taylor for me. I mean, I'm not I'm not undervaluing him, but I'm not going to overvalue him at, uh, as well. So keep that in mind with him. You know, always try and go in with the proper mindset with these guys, proper expectations. And Marlon Mack, after last year, he didn't really do anything to lose the job per se. It is interesting that they're looking towards the future already, but they're still going to use him this year. So there you go. Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans now officially in the hopper. So that brings us to on tomorrow's show. We'll stick with one team in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Super Bowl champs. Champ is here, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be fun. Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, Uncle Rico, Leonard Fournette. Is there still anything to like there? Can DJ Chark continue last year's momentum? Of course, Kansas City, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Nicole Hardman, baby. All right, we'll break that down on the show tomorrow. In the meantime, of course, keep helping me out and review the show on iTunes. Leave a review and a rating that really, really freaking helps the show out. And I really freaking appreciate everybody who has helped me out so far. Of course, you can follow along on social media. I'm at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram. And use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right. I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.